Hey, it's Kevin O'Connor. I've got some big news for you. The Mismatch is hosting its first ever live show in Los Angeles at the El Rey Theater on March 6th. Me and Chris Vernon are going to be there. I'm fired up about it. At the El Rey Theater, there's been performers like Bob Dylan and Kendrick Lamar and Rage Against the Machine and Licky Lee. I'm fired up. Get to be on that stage with my guy, Chris Vernon. We've been together since 2016 doing NBA podcasts, and now we're going to get to meet a lot of you who have listened to our show for so many years. We'll do a Q&A at the end. We might have some special guests, but we're definitely going to be talking basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. Tickets are going fast, though, so be sure to head to com to get your tickets now. Doors are going to open at 7 p.m., and the show is going to be starting right at 8 o'clock. Let's go, baby. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. What's poppin'? Ruins, Logan Murdoch here, Raja Bow there. Raja, I um I got my recording going this time. Uh somebody tweeted at me that it sounded like I was recording from my bathroom uh, <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> and it was just hella echoey. Just full transparency. We didn't do the we did I listened back over the pod yesterday. We edited the uh we edited the part out when I realized that I my mic was not recording. Um and so I didn't realize that my mic wasn't recording until 10 minutes in. Mind you, listener, we are the last thing that either Kai or Kerm says to us before they disappear from our screen is, hey, guys, are we recording and do we have sufficient battery level? It's the last thing we hear before it's just Logan and I on the screen. What's hella funny, though, is that Third Eye Kai and OG Kerm actually asked me personally because they asked Roger Roger was straight Roger knew he was good he was recording and right. then Kerm literally says Logan are you good <laughs> and I said I'm good man and then I look 10 minutes into the pod and I'm like fuck not good not good <laughs> I was like fuck <laughs> which also messed me hey, up players players mess up too players mess up too but it yeah, really dog. messed me up because it messed me up in terms of the timing of the pod because like the record usually tells me how long the pod is i had no idea yes last time i had no uh, clue what we were doing or were we over like i you get to a point now where it just it is kind of muscle memory in terms of i get a feeling when like we're huh, we're right around this should be ending 
you know? So yeah. you, you, were we close, even though you didn't have the recording? We got to like 45 minutes, which is like on the low end for us, but it's good. Okay. You know, it's a, right. it's a solid, it's a solid midseason pod. I mean, by, by podcast metric standpoints, 45 is a benchmark, right? Like you're trying to get to 45 and you're not trying to be over what? I mean, like, bro, during, before the trade deadline, we were giving motherfuckers like hour 15. So, but, but, but there is a point like what? 130 where someone is like, that becomes two sessions for them to sit down and listen to a pod, right? Yeah, it depends on the, it depends on how popping it is. Like, you know, the Juan T episode, for instance, we give them three hours. All right. We're giving them, you know what I mean? Depends on <laughs> who's in the show. We're giving them a two-parter. Yeah. Um, all right. That was, gonna just that, was, that was just fluffy and just, I mean, I think we're better than that. We are better than I that. I think we're we better than what we just did. I really do. I think well, we just came we up the gates really are. slow. You know what, like, bro? You know what I'm saying? Just keep that shit in, though. You know what okay. I mean? Because at some point, we're going to get better than we are today. Just like the Phoenix Suns, Raja. Hey, uh, see? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Just All like right. the Phoenix Suns, who, you know, had their first game in Charlotte with Kevin Durant. Um, so let's recap this thing. I want to just go through my reactions of like watching it. Like we were we were talking about pre-pod just about like how, you know, we're just degenerates and how we watch sports and we are like really just Monday morning quarterback and it. You're talking about the combine earlier, uh, just how you got your pin and pad and you're looking at diamonds in the rough. That's how I am with basketball and that's how you are. So with basketball, so I'm on the league pass app watching this, right? I'm just locked in. All right. I'm locked in. Right. And I see, I get in about the first quarter and I just usually when you see a team trying to figure it out mid season or like with a big trade or something, there's just a, there's a, there's a adjustment process. It didn't seem like must adjusting for the Phoenix Suns. It seemed like they were running sets. They were calling shit out. They were like, Chris Paul was like, Hey, 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 you move the hell out of the way so I can get the ball to Kevin or, or Deandre Aiden in the post. Right. And so I'm like, I texted a couple people. I said, Quote, couple text messages didn't come back. Couple texts I had to like walk back my 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 uh my hot takes, but I came out like Phoenix looks great. All right. Phoenix looks amazing. They're looking great. And then I realized something. And the Suns look great. But it was also like the first real time that I've seen the Charlotte Hornets all season. And I gotta be honest with you. It the competition just wasn't there. It just, it, it, it was, they were, it was the LA fitness run. You know, it was just, it, it wasn't, it didn't look, it didn't look great, but the Phoenix Suns look good. They look, they look good in their first bit of action with everyone. Let me give you some stats before we hear what Raj's opinion is. Katie and D book combined for 60 points. Kevin Durant's full stat line, 23 points in 27 minutes, 10 of 15 from the field, six boards, two blocks, two assists. CP3 had 11 assists. DeAndre eight and 15 and 15. And they held the, the Hornets under 100 points with no LaMelo. I give you those stats, Raja. What do you think? Um, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I, was, I was impressed with how efficient KD looked and how easily he looked integrated into that offense. Um, I was appreciative of how simple they kept the offense uh, last night and they just kind of hooped. And then when I boiled it down to how are they able to just do that? It's because with all due respect to Charlotte, the Hornets are terrible. They, they weren't pushed in any real way in that game. And so it affords you the opportunity to just be out there 
looking like, and I loved, I loved it. It looked like an LA fitness run for the Phoenix Suns. It was just really easy and really cool. And so while I can tell you that it, 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 I think they're going to work together and what you saw last night is kind of a precursor to what, what you can, you can see on a grander scale as they continue to get better together. We don't really know because they weren't pushed in any real capacity. And when, when those kind of chinks in the armor would reveal themselves was, would be in games against better teams with, with better defenses, games that mean more. And so I am optimistic. I think, I do think it's going to work out great. I think those, I've said it before. I think that's going to be a really potent offense, but just as it pertained to last night, you know, I tried to watch that. I did. I tried. <laughs> no, I did. Because I, I, you know, I and I did watch pieces of it. Um, and then I found myself like, you know, tell I'm me, keep tell me, tell me your, uh, tell me your journey. Listen, what was your journey, you know bro? My, my journey was like, I tapped in first quarter, sitting on the couch. I had a bunch of my, my my son's teammates at the house. They were hanging out and doing their thing, and so I was a little distracted, but still like, yo, keep it down, dog. I'm trying to watch. You know, I'm trying to watch this. Paused it. Went away. Had to do something for my daughter. Came back tap back in and was was locked in for stretches at a time and then i found myself like if you grab me as a as anything i'm locked in but when i start wondering who's going to run the fastest 40 is devon a chain going to run the fastest 40 or jalen hyatt or is it going to be darius davis from tcu like once i start drifting into that now i'm on my phone trying to figure out who's going to run the fastest 40 in a couple days at the nfl combine it's not a very good product and that's where i was like my all my attention kind of drifted to to the nfl combine because the game was just bad Bro, so I was in. So I locked in. First of all, I was like, I, I knew that Phoenix was going to start with KD yesterday. I just wasn't. I wasn't locked in on the timing. So right. I was like, oh, they're probably going to play at like seven o'clock local time. I'm on the West Coast, right? I see that it's it, the game starts at four local time, and I'm like, oh shit, it's four twenty. So like, I gotta like, I gotta lock in. It's like mid, yep. midway through the through the through the first quarter. And I missed Katie's first shot. I missed all those things. But then, like, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, let me just watch a couple plays, right? Let me just see what's going on. It was so easy for the uh for for the Suns. It was it was like when you're on promo on 2K. So, like, similar to you, I'm I'm currently writing right now. Like I'm in the, mm-hmm. I'm in a bag of like writing in the editing process. Rasha, don't ever be a writer, it's terrible. Um, but I'm, I'm currently in that. So I I just drifted towards like Google searches and listen to the new Don Tolliver album. So I'm like, oh, okay, let me, let me, uh, let me, let me just put this, let me mute this. Let me mute this game. I'm going to listen to, listen to the, and listen to this album. And then I just go to other tabs and stuff. And then I get back. Fucking sons are up 20. Right. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Like it's, it's whack. Then I go back to the third quarter. Cause I see the score is like, I see the score is getting a little tighter, right? I see, you know, Tony Rozier's out here, you know, trying to do something, you know, uh, you know, a couple guys, Gordon Hayward's getting a couple shots up. Um, uh, you know, Kelly Oubre is just, is telling people they're too small, right? Kelly Oubre is telling they get yes, the lead down yes. to six, they get the lead down to six. And then I'm still like, it's one of those things where like, bro, I already, I didn't even, I, what, I, I watched the, the last play that I saw was Damian Lee getting hit in the face. And Kelly Oubre dunking on somebody to cut the Charlotte, cut the the Phoenix lead down to six. And then I was like, nah, man, they're going to bring the Phoenix is going to bring their starters back in. It's going to be over. Like, it's not even a, it's not, it's not even a thing. But my question to you is that was my journey. Now, my question to you is one of the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways I got from this game. 
even though it was just a very, it was just, it was, it was cardio for, for the Suns was, it was great to see KD play with other great players. And I know a lot of people are like, well, no, we played, you know, and I, and I, I know what, even what you're probably going to say, Raja, everybody in the NBA is really good. I'm not discounting that at all. But it was really good to see him play with other high IQ basketball players like a Chris Paul and like a Devin Booker, other star type players, because a lot of times during the Nets run, a lot of the offensive responsibility laid on Kevin Durant because he's Kevin Durant, but also he didn't have those ancillary pieces and also just the turmoil that was going on in Brooklyn. I really felt like he found it was good to see him kind of find a comfort zone and not have to bear all the responsibility on the offensive end. And it was just really cool to just see ball movement and like, oh, this is good. Easy shot here. Easy shot here. He's not working for so much. That was really good. What did you see from his overall performance uh, during that game? Um, I Again, I, I agree with what you're saying. And it kind of echoes what I was saying. Like that, it looked great. I thought that he played with a real kind of ease, like both physically, I mean, because there wasn't a ton of resistance, even even when the lead was like, it just wasn't a compelling like game to watch. You never thought Charlotte was really going to, at least I didn't. So anyway, I digress. I thought he played with an ease physically because they were just kind of letting him get to whatever spot he wanted to get to. And he was just up over the top. But I thought he played with, it looked like an emotional ease. You know, maybe a weight had kind of been lifted and he was just out there. I heard a pregame uh, thing where he said he was just, looking forward to getting lost in the game again. And that's a cool feeling when you're a basketball player. Like when you get out there and, you know, no matter what's going on in your personal life, right? And because we we're all, you know, humans and we've got these families or 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 whatnot, their businesses, there could be things that are going on in your exterior world um, that are pulling at like your emotional bandwidth. But when you get in a game, it's such a serene place to be where where you get out there and it's like everything goes quiet, which is so weird because you're in this building with thousands and thousands of people yelling and rocking and screaming and coaches yelling and DJs playing. And really you're just at this really quiet place at your soul, you know, like you're just vibing out there. And so I saw him have a little bit of that. Um, and I can say all of that. And with it being said, still tell you that the reason it looked like that in part is because of how bad the Charlotte Hornets were. Hey man, hold on real quick, real quick. Shout out Charlotte, bro. We ain't got, we ain't, we don't got hate for you guys at, at all. all. We I'm got not, love man, Charlotte. Okay, just want to just make that clear because like Charlotte's thrown through the ringer during this podcast. It has, and I'm not. I mean, listen, I certainly don't hold any ill will to Charlotte. I played on teams that weren't good. I knew they weren't good. I mean, you're fucking 22 and 44. You think you're good? I don't know what their record is. I apologize, but I'm just I'm calling spade a spade. Like they. they if Kevin Durant, when Kevin Durant has to do the things that you're talking about him having to do, which is like put the franchise on his shoulders and and try to drag it somewhere, that's going to show up in a highly contested down the stretch. We're down three with a minute and a half to go like or going into the fourth. We're down five and it's a play. That's when it'll rear its head. And it remains to be seen whether or not they can find the type of chemistry and the type of flow and type of uh type of overall just um, organization, the Suns, that is, to, to be able to withstand those type of situations. I think they can. But the reason he looks so peaceful, so serene, so like, so in flow with, with Chris Paul and Devin Booker is because it was like light work. Now, let me just say this to, to your point. The 
part, the other part of the reason it looks so easy and it looks so organized is Chris Paul. Like what they did not have in Brooklyn, and this is this isn't this isn't meant in any way as a slight towards Kyrie. Kyrie's just different than Chris Paul. Like in Kyrie's point guard play, it's less of an organizing compose. Like, uh, uh, what do you call that guy? Is he the composer, the guy that sits out in front of the orchestra? Not the composer, but whatever he is, the conductor, the conductor, the conductor. Sorry, dude, the conductor. But that's more of Chris Paul's style, while Kyrie's style is like he's an artist in the in the band, you know. So I think when you get those talents like KD and Book, and to make them work and make it flow and make it look beautiful, you got to have a you got to have a conductor. You have to have a dude. And even in that last night, you saw him doing it, Logan. You saw him just hold yeah. that ball yeah. for an extra second, point point somebody over there, hold somebody with his eyes on that side. Boom, we got Aiden in the middle because he hadn't got a touch. We've been Dog. trying to force feed Kevin Durant, put it into D8, let him get a buck. Boom. Like, you saw him conducting, and that helps talents like Book and, and, and KD and just offensive weaponry fit together when you have a dude who knows how to get it to who and when. I'm not going to hold you, man. And I don't even like, no, like I've come, we're here. We're here. I'm just going to say it. I fucking love watching Chris Paul play basketball, dog. I love watching it. <laughs> I do. I do. Like maybe like he does fuck up sometimes in the postseason. Like that's, and he gets injured and that, that happens. Right. <laughs> and he does a flailing and he does all that stuff. Right. He does. He's, he's annoying. He is all those things. But what you just described, Raja, was so poetic, right? Like it was just, it was, and I, when you did it, I kind of, you were in your bag and I kind of closed my eyes and I just thought about it. Like, yo, that is a, Chris Ball is a fucking point guard, bro. And every sense of the word, Word. right? Like in every sense of the word, like Kyrie is a great player, phenomenal player, but let's just be honest. We've all watched Kyrie play. He's a two guard that has to be put into the point guard role. He right. wants to get buckets, right? right? Chris Paul, Raja, if you are an AAU right now, you're probably, if you see your point guard and he has some talent, you're probably showing him Chris Paul film, yeah. right? You're probably showing him like, yo, this is what he does. This is like, just commands a team. And like, we'll see. He commands a team on the floor, right? And that's going to be the key to this run as a whole because, you know, KD... I, we've said this on the pod before, and I think Devin Booker's a time is starting to reveal this about Devin Booker as well. Two guys that kind of just need an alpha, right? Just kind of need an alpha in the mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. Both are amazing. Book and Katie are amazing talents, but they do need a guy to be like, yo, go right there. Go For, for whatever reason, this is kind of how they're built. And Chris Paul, it's going to be interesting to see just how that dynamic works because he's going to have to be healthy. And he is going to have to honestly, and I, 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 I want I want to say this correctly, but I think he's also going to have to make sure that he's still the alpha while I think reforming his approach. Because here's the thing: Chris Paul is a guy that is a leader, but he is also a guy that has historically Pat Riley is like this, right? There have been figures like this in the past that are just so hard body. And just so hard knows that eventually it wears on other teammates, right? So th- there's the balance that he's just going to have to face. But I think he is perfect for this. I think that he is perfect for this type of team. He has to stay healthy, 
and I think that they can do something. This is me. This is what's going through my head, Raja, as I'm talking myself into the Suns' finals run. I have a lot of thoughts. Let me start here. Um, he's the antithesis of what Brooklyn just was. Chris Paul embodies like everything that Brooklyn did not um, in, in terms of structure, holding you accountable, being the alpha, even if you don't like what I'm saying to you, holding you, holding you accountable and being in your face to get you to do what's in the best interest of our team. You know, Brooklyn needed that in a big way. They didn't have it. Chris Paul is going to do that. Um, make no mistake. He must be healthy for, for the Suns to have a chance because you're right. He is what they need, not to score points, not to score points. They're going to score points. They're great. But, but to, to keep it, the, the, the ship pointed in the right direction at all times, right? Like we just need somebody up there on the wheel, making sure that through the night while all the passengers are sleeping, we're avoiding the icebergs. Can you dig what I'm saying? And that's what Chris Paul's doing. He's just up there sliding. So uh, it, I have a couple, a couple more thoughts. One will take me to the other. People always miss when you say, hey, he's a coach on the floor, right? A point guards or coaches on the floor. And they don't really understand what that means when you kind of boil it down, right? Like a coach's job is to sit over there. Yeah, X. X's and O's and, and, and philosophy and all of that. But he's watching the game in a way that a player that's lost in the game can't watch it. And he's feeling the, the flow of it. Like, you know, we're on these runs. Let me, let me let it keep going for a while. It looks like we've lost a little steam. Let me bring someone into the game to change the momentum. That's like a six point run. We could withstand it right now. Everyone's fresh or that's a six point run. Everyone looks gassed and spirits look low. Let me call this timeout. Like that's a coach's job, right? To feel the game like that. Um, Chris Paul on the court is like an appendage of a coach. Like he is out there feeling those same things. So in an arena with all of these people, I've tried to do this as a coach. It is hard to really express your message. You can't play. All you can do is hope that they're hearing what you say, they're digesting it, and that they're taking it out there and putting it into, into action. And it doesn't always work like that. You know, I've been in plenty of post games when I coached and when other people coached, you know, great coaches saying, guys, we were supposed to, uh, this was our game plan. Like, why, we should have... We went over this and, and dudes are just looking at you like, yeah, I know, but we ain't, we couldn't get it done. Well, Chris Paul is now that and all of that messaging out on the court as one of the five. So when stuff starts going wrong, he's able to take care of it for you in a way that you couldn't if you were the coach because he's actually playing in the damn game, feeling what's happening there, which brings me to my last point. I'm sorry I'm on this rant. Basketball as a, as a lifelong lover of the game. I think it's awesome that we have evolved our play to a point where almost everyone is a combo guard. I thought it was so unfair that in a generation past, this one particular player on the floor was not really allowed to get in his bag and score in a way that looked like it was really fun. That was typically the point guard, right? So I'm cool with that. But what we have lost to some degree and what I miss is the beauty of the PG who just understands I, above all people on this court, am going to have to wear different hats on different nights. And one night, it might be that I score 40 points. And I can do that if you need me to. But like on a night like last night where it's one for eight for Chris Paul, he didn't give a shit. He had 11 dimes. He set everybody up. Like, let's get up out of here with a dub. Like, your job is just to win games from that PG spot. And it might mean on one night you wear a scoring hat, and on the next night you wear a, a facilitating hat, and then on a whole nother night, it just mean it might mean to like lock somebody down and 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 try to keep the pace up. 
You know what I mean? But you're wearing these different hats and I miss the nuance of that. And I miss the players that understand that. Cause I find beauty in that. Like I, I can find beauty in dudes who score 40 points a night and just dance on the ball too. Don't get me wrong, but I, I miss the, I miss that. I miss the point guard who understands, yo dog, I know exactly what this team needs and I will be what it needs. 90% of the time. Sure. I'm not going to get it right every night, but 90% of the time I know exactly what we need and I got it. You're speaking like a guy whose favorite point guard was Steve Nash. <laughs> well, Steve was great at that, but there were a lot of them that were great at that, man. Like there were a lot, like Isaiah Thomas, John Stockton, yep. Magic, Mark Jackson. Just organize like, the game. Dude. Yeah. Just organize it. And th- they're buckets to be had though. Like they'll, any one of them will get you 40 if they need to. Yeah. I wish, you know, in hindsight, I do wish that like, I wish that Steve, Steve Nash is a bit more aggressive on the offensive end, you know, just in hindsight, but neither here nor there. But, but how about this? How about this though? Like while you do, and I find this, I have this debate all the time. While you wish that, and Steve has even said he wished that guess what? We don't look like the same team. If he does, it's fair. We don't, you don't know what the butterfly effect of that is. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know, you don't know what that does. And so, I too, I know he could have. I know he could have scored an ass load of more points, but I don't know what that makes the Suns seven seconds or less type of teams if Steve is out there trying to cook every night. I don't know. You know, one thing I do like about this Suns team, and eventually we're going to talk about the downside of the Suns and some of the stuff that I was kind of like scared about that could, mm-hmm. you know, potentially derail what they, what they, the great vibes they have going. I'm like 99% in all in on the Suns right now. But um, <laughs> <laughs> one thing I do like though, and you spoke about um, Chris Paul and just the, 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 just the calmness that he brings, right? The calmness that he brings to a floor. What I do love is that this team has, dudes that are in the right stage of their career. Everybody got paid, right? Mm. Chris Paul has gotten paid. Book got got paid. Aiden just got paid. Um, everybody's just, everybody is looking to win a title. And you got a guy, like, when you have a point guard like Chris Paul, you got to have a coach like Monty Williams. Because to your point about the coach not even having to worry, he just looks at Chris Paul. All Monty Williams has to do is just do a look and some sort of stare at Chris Paul, and they already have like a they have yeah it's a, it's a third eye thing. That's it's, it. It's already, they got their third eye open, third eye Monty and third eye Chris is locked in at all times, and I, I I and they also the thing I love about Chris Paul and the thing also I love about the rest of the roster and the other two three scores is those are three guys in book and KD and Chris Paul. They're guys that can give you those. You know when there's a run that's going on? This is why I wasn't even tripping off of the Charlotte little run in the third quarter because they have three guys on their roster that has, you know the guys that has those, Steve Nash had this, the guy that can make the calming jump shot to just, yeah. when when they when they push the lead uh, to like five or something, just, uh, I'm going to just get it to seven. You thought, <laughs> you thought, don't even trip. We're going re- to reorganize and we're going to regroup. They have a guy, they have KD, who was like one of the best to ever do that. Chris Paul, who always, always has like a timely three, right? Just a, a timely one. Yeah. Devin Booker has that and is developing into that more. That's what I love about this team. Now, I'm looking at the schedule. They play the Bulls. They're on a, a bit of an East Coast weird they have a weird little like road trip and this is a mm-hmm. nasty road trip but um they got charlotte and then they're going to chicago um it's mm, that's a that's a team that the suns should beat right but then they're starting to get tested kings warriors with the game i'm going to um then they got the bucks that's really going to kind of kind of test them a little bit and 
Testos, the things that I am concerned about, and I'm sure you're, I'm, I'm wondering what you're going to be concerned about, but the thing that I'm concerned about, um, their depth in the front court, how I like their defensive depth. I don't really like, I didn't like what I saw. I know they have, they have Biombo behind um, DeAndre Aiden, but I just, and they have, and I'm not sure the other person that they have, I'm going to be honest with you, Raja, but they, they, I, I am very concerned with, you know, if they do go against a Denver, right? Or they do go yep. against the team with, um, in the Eastern Conference, say they catch Philly in the finals, right? If that yep. happens, I am concerned about what they're going to do in the front court because, I mean, KD was really good as a shot blocker. And I honestly, in stretches, he has been an all world defender, right? I remember when I was, when I was covering him in like 17, 18, dude, like the first part of the season was getting like defensive player of the year vibes because he was just, he was this guy that can guard multiple positions and protect the rim. But you don't want KD playing that much great defense because you really want him on the offensive end, right? And so I am concerned with, you know, Aiden historically has gotten into foul trouble um, in the postseason uh, and overall their depth and can they stay healthy? That's the biggest thing. Those are the biggest question marks that I have about this team that can make it make or break their season. They're, they're great um, question marks to have. I mean, you know, they're playing Jacques Landale, Landale. Like, I, I, you know, I don't I don't know that you're ready necessarily to step onto a Western Conference finals floor because DeAndre Ayton picked up two in the first three minutes and hold them down in a way that they would feel comfortable about. Could he do it? Sure. I'm sure he's a, like, I haven't broken his game down. I'm not trying to slander him. But what I'm saying is a team that's ready to win right now, you would want something you know unequivocally coming in behind that is is ready for that situation. Do you know what I mean? And therein lies kind of the, you know, the the catch-22 of, of, you know, having three great offensive weapons like that with, you know, uh, you're going to be thin in other places. I mean, Brooklyn just dealt with that, right, to some degree. You know, you're going to be thin and you're going to have to make it work and you're going to have to be prolific offensively, um, you know, in a way that doesn't expose that that underbelly of of maybe lack of of of, of rim protection after eight and in depth. And then also, and this is why I think the the Bulls, while the Suns should maybe beat them, I think it's also another good good measuring stick. Like you got to see Zach Levine and 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 uh, and Demar Derozan. And you've yeah. lost a lot of perimeter, you know, defensive uh, chops in the trade. Shout and out so, to Bridges, friend of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, you know, but those are just things that you have to watch the Suns and see how they deal with them. doesn't really matter whether they win or lose necessarily. But how how do they deal? Do both of those cats get off? Do they have no answer for anybody out there on the perimeter? Like, if that's the case, then you'd kind of, like, you know, forecast down the road when they get into these playoffs and you're like, oh, shit, man, that's we can't guard anybody. You know, I'm not saying that to be the case, but, you know, these are things that you're looking for with the Suns as they move forward. And I think it would be prudent to have some reservations like you can still be very optimistic and think that they're I I quite frankly do think that they're one of the favorites if the offense is working the way it should. But every team has a slight Achilles heel, man, and theirs could wind up being depth and just, you know, perimeter perimeter defense. Wing more, it's more gonna, so wing, but it's going to be interesting, man. And and I'm and this is only one sample size. Um, we're going to be talking about the Suns a lot down the stretch. I know I'm I'm locked in on everything I, the Suns got going. I really can't wait to see you know what's, what's going on you, down the stretch. You know what's funny? You're you're right because I was actually locked in in a way. I was I was motivated in a way to get to see a game last night. Now, 
it didn't wind up keeping my attention, but it, it, I wanted to see it. Like, so I, I mean, even I, this conversation you say now, bro, like they play the bulls tomorrow. I'm yeah. locked in on that game. You're going to watch it. it. You're going to watch it. And to make you jealous, Raja, huh. I'm going to see, I'm going to see them twice next month in person. So <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so <laughs> juiced. So, so, you know, it, all the rest of it be damned. Like Mike D'Antoni used to say this to me, like, and I'm sure he said it to other people too, but when we were in Phoenix and he said, man, you know, short of winning a championship, just be really fun to watch. Do you know what I mean? And, and it's going to be a fun ass team to watch, really bro. To watch. Right. Oh man. All right. And, and it was funny. The last point I'll make is like, I remember, you know, we were, you know, when you see a trade on paper, you're like, you always dissect it and you're like, should they have done this? And I'm not specifically talking about this son's trade, but I'm just saying in general, right. When I saw the first two, 30 seconds of this new revamp Suns team, I'm like, oh, you do this trade ten times out of ten. Fuck it, you this is what you just figure it out. You yep. get that man in the building, and then you just figure it out. That's exactly right. Let's take a quick break, and uh, I regret to inform you guys the vibes won't be as jolly as they were in this segment and the next one. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games. It's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. Bet the NBA on TNT with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or already have an account. Every night, you'll get bonus bets back if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. NBA same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. Build your own or choose from one of our popular SGPs already made for you in the FanDuel Sportsbook app. All right, so the two games I'm going to focus on are Sixers-Mavs and Clippers-Warriors. I'm going to take the Sixers-Mavs over. I think there are going to be a lot of points scored in that. And the Clippers are laying four. So I think I'm going to take the Warriors with the points. However, if you want to play, you can bet the NBA on TNT every Thursday night with a no sweat same game parlay. Just head to FanDuel.com slash Ringer NBA and download FanDuel today to get in on the action. And if you're in Massachusetts, get ready because FanDuel is coming soon. Make sure you check out FanDuel.com slash Mass and take advantage of their great pre-live offers. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in select states. 
Three plus legs, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bets that expires seven days after receipt. Max bonus bet $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See full terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG. That's in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-800-327-5050 or visit www.mahelpline.org slash problem gambling, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's in New York, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Logan Raja, it's your boy Kerm. First time caller, long time producer. Sorry I couldn't make the recording today, but I was kind of up pretty late last night celebrating that Lakers win, you feel me? I'm not nervous, or are you nervous? LeBron's out, AD missing games here and there, you know, who's worried? All you really need to win key games down the stretch is obviously Dennis Schroeder and Austin Reeves and Van Doe. So, nobody's nervous. (laughs) Me? Nervous? (laughs) Definitely not. And we are back. All right, Ra. I mean, we we had a conversation. What's up, buddy? You're looking well, at me. What's going on? I was really close to saying you sound hella jolly, and then you just kind of dropped your tone into like melancholy real quick. I told you, bro. It was I'm melancholy low on this one, bro. I told yeah. you. I lo- I'm looking at the rundown right now, and we talked about this, and I almost was like, I didn't. <sighs> we talked about this this subject a couple of weeks ago to, in depth to the point that I was like, I was talking, I was talking, I was in the chat. And the separate chat, because you don't fucking, you don't, you don't respond to the, to the <laughs> chat. So it was, this was the producer's chat. Hey, time out, time out, time out. Anyone who knows me, my brother-in-laws, my parents, my wife, and they will all tell you that I am not good in a group chat. And in a lot of cases, Logan, you guys should actually feel good about this. I will sign myself out of the group chat because yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I, I, but I haven't done that in our group. I still exist in the group chat. But if oh, I can get out exist. of this, yeah, I will get out because I don't want to be in the group chat. I you don't exist into the group chat until you I, do, and then you fucking flood the shit. And we're like, when you want to, we'll talk about that in a second. We'll talk about group chat group, Ron a who second. Who likes group chats though? Like, why the hell do I want to be sitting there trying to watch Snowfall at, in the little break I got between potting and picking up my kids and have my phone go off 27 times about some shit that's not even pertinent to me? You sound like a real Virgo right now, and that's that's all I can say. But anyways... <laughs> I didn't really want to talk about this because we talked about it recently, but like, <sighs> my goodness, um, John Morant, uh, this is uh, the lead. Um, 
John, this is this is from an aggregated site of what actually happened. This is reported by the Washington Post, but this is this is what's going on. This is the lead. Memphis Grizzlies star John Morant was accused of recently punching a teenage boy in the head and threatening him with a gun last summer, according oh. to Memphis police records acquired by the Washington Post. I'm just going to read this, and then we're going to just talk just like how we did last time. The teenager also repeatedly told Shelby County Sheriff's Office detectives after the fight that Morant went to into his house and reemerged with the gun visible on the waistband of his pants. This is after a pickup game, mind you. you know, John Morant has weekly pickup games at the crib for people to come through and just hoop. Sounds great on the surface, right? <sighs> Apparently, the person that went to the detective's office um, says that, you know, they were playing, they were hooping. And he threw a ball at John Morant, passing him the ball. It went through John Morant's uh, hands and hit him in the face, right? And after that, um, apparently John Morant and one of the friends allegedly punched the dude out, right? Gave him some knots on his head. It's just every time I just get sad as I, as I, as I read this, right? Morant also Morant claims that the other dude was the aggressor. Um, and that's why he did it because he threw a ball at him and he took that Morant took that. This is what he said in the uh, deposition. Morant took that as a sign that as a sign of aggression, went in to go, you know, get his thing and came back out. This was also after allegedly Morant punched and his homie punched out this kid, the 17-year-old kid, by the way. Um, and Morant said that, you know, that the boy claimed that he was going to come back and light this place up like fireworks. You can read all the stuff in the Washington Post. Um, but more than anything, man, you guys can read exactly what happened. More than anything, Morant keeps his name, keeps coming in and getting into things that it just shouldn't get into. Like, regardless of the situation, this should not just be happening, right? We already talked about a couple of weeks ago where a beam allegedly was, a red beam was allegedly pointed at Indiana Pacers staffers um, after a game in which it got a little contentious and one of John Morant's um, friends was on the sidelines yelling at Indiana Pacers players and then this all happens. And then you kind of heard whispers of the current case that we're talking about over the summer, but now this is all out in full view. And now this comes out. It's just, it's, it's really, it's, it's really disappointing that this, his name, John Moran's name keeps getting associated with instances like this, Raja. I didn't hear no rumors this summer. I mean, I didn't, I, I, you know, and so if I had, it would have kind of shaped a little bit. It would have helped shape my opinion a little bit more about the subsequent things that have happened now that, that I have a little bit more perspective on it. Right. Like those, I thought those were the first couple of dominoes to fall according to this report. Like these are the last dominoes to fall. So I would just say that I try to tell my kids this, if, if everywhere you go, somebody comes back and has your name in their mouth about some negativity, right. Or, if everywhere you go, you come back and there's a problem between you and somebody else. I think it says more about you. And this is me talking to my kids. I think it says more about you than it does about all these situations and places you've been that have absolutely nothing in common except you. So 
as it pertains to John Morant, I'm not saying that he is guilty of anything or labeling him, labeling him as anything. What I am saying is what I've been saying about a young ascending star in the league. You can't keep putting yourself in situations where things like this can transpire because it doesn't matter who else was there or what they necessarily did when it comes to these headlines and who they are going to try to to target. No, uh, you know what I mean? It's just it, they don't it doesn't matter. There could have been 30 mofos there and all of them could have had something to do with it and they're still saying John Morant is this. And so you have to navigate that in a better way and his camp has to help him navigate that in a better way. It speaks to immaturity. I've said it before. I said it when it, you know, the Memphis team as a whole, like it, 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 there's a level of immaturity around that. And I, I'm, I'm not going to go as far as to, to get into like the, the legal ramifications and, and, and guns and all of that. But just from general broad picture optics, it, it looks like some immature shit. Here's the deal. I've been in situations where I've thrown a ball at somebody. Um, they think they, they that that I threw it at him. And then my rebuttal is, no, nah, no, nah, I passed him the ball, bro. It just hit him in the face. I know damn well I threw it at him, right? So so maybe the kid threw the ball at John Morant. Can you dig what I'm saying? Like maybe he did and John Morant felt yeah. threatened. And, and, and you two-pieced him real quick. Like, you know, shit happens. But there's got to be someone around you that after that happens says, hey, yo, you cannot come out here with the strap. That can't happen. Like you, we already fucked up. All right. The next step cannot take place. You cannot come back out here with no goddamn gun. You can't do that. Right. And no one's around him doing that. Right. And so it, then it speaks to, again, I, I'm sorry, dude, but this is, I have young, I have young boys that I'm trying to teach how to navigate this world that especially for young black men can be kind of tricky. It can be laden with minefields. Right. And so I, I'm telling them like, look, bro, when you get to a certain place, whether fair or unfair, it is what it is. And so John Morant, you can't be having pickup games with people you don't know, like inside and out at the crib. That's a That's recipe for disaster, dog. Like you can't be having randoms pull up. Now, if this was like his friend and y'all got into a squabble and friend said, okay, man, fuck you. We ain't friends no more. I'm going to sue you. That's one thing. But by all accounts, this is just some dude. Why is he at your crib? As John Morant, the new face of the Nike campaign. Like, I, I just, again, man, speaks to immaturity. Jaws and the camp. And I hope they get it figured out because I'm a big fan. I don't know what happened. I ain't here trying to tell you I'm a detective or charges need to be pressed. I'm not here for any of that. I'm saying, man, you are in a, you are in a glass bowl, a big one. And you are the biggest, shiniest fish in the bowl. And everybody's looking at you. You have to comport yourself in a different way. So... My overall thing of this is, and also, I just want to make it clear, like, we're saying this a disappointment because we fuck with John Morant, right? Like, we really, we're saying this because we're, like, I don't want to talk about this because I'm genuinely just disappointed in the whole situation, bro. Like, I, like it's, when Ja is, like, pure Ja, and it's, Memphis is going and it's rocking and it's positive, it's a beautiful thing. It is. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. But like, there's just also, there's been a pattern of like, I, I will start off by saying this. And I don't think a lot of people realize this. When you go to the NBA, especially, you know, from backgrounds that me and you come from, 
There ain't no rule book or no or no handbook on how to deal with this. Yeah, there's a rookie seminar, but there's no real, there's no real, I don't think there's ever going to be a real crash course in how to actually deal with it. It's something you have to figure out on your own, right? Like you, you're, you're not only changing your life space, you're changing your finances. You got enough bread to just bring a whole, like have your own little mini economy with you. You know what I'm saying? Just like have your whole, like you're feeding a lot of different people. It's just so much more nuanced, right? That you just don't have a handbook out for, for right? And um, the thing that I continue to be disappointed with, and I, I say that you can't have a, you, there's no handbook to this stuff, but there are people that are in position to be able to steer Ja the right way, people that he respects that have constantly not been doing that, right? Every time he does something, there's always someone, whether it's in the Memphis organization, whether it's the coach. This isn't just like the off-the-court stuff. This is stuff that me and you actually see, Ra. I'm talking about like like last year in the playoffs, right, where Ja posts a video and calls somebody dirty, right? And a call during the postseason. And then when the coach is asked about it, you know, he just double downs on it, right? Like just double downs on, 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 on just hat in the, on the surface level, having jobs back. Right. Or even when this Indiana Pacers things happen, it just, everything seems to just be like, oh, okay, it's cool. Like we don't want to disappoint y'all. We don't want to disappoint y'all. We don't want to like rub them the wrong way. You're, you're doing them a disservice when you do you're that. You're doing them a disservice as a human being. Like, I right. get it. You're, you're trying not to offend the talent. That's typical, like, he's too good, man. Don't want to lose him. Want to make sure we, we, we accommodate in every way we can. And let's make sure. And 99.9% of the time, it's not, it's not, if that person wants to leave you, they're leaving you anyway. Yeah, that shit doesn't, like, bro, like, we see, but here's the thing, though, as human beings, bro, we see right through that shit. Like, Raja, like, if you were to tell me, all the time, talking about like us as a partnership, if you were to tell me all the time that my shit don't stink and that I'm doing great all the time, I inherently, me as a person, wouldn't trust you, right? If you're just telling me everything is just all honky-dory and just like, oh my God, you're doing great. Oh my God, like that take was awesome. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. Like, that's not going to make me want to stay all the time. You didn't grow up. You grew up with accountability. Now, this isn't this isn't a John. This isn't necessarily a John Morant conversation. So let me make this clear. You you grew up. This is a, a generation of, of 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 people who didn't grow up like you and I grew up, where there is accountability, and and so you respond to being held accountable at times, and don't necessarily respond to never being held accountable. There are some kids now that have only been um, like em- empowered and emboldened and allowed to. So that's what they respond to. Like, do you understand? That's what we're talking about when we're talking about places where they got to keep firing coaches because fucking players can't figure out how to work with them. That's not someone who responds to being held accountable. That's someone who's been raised to feel like everything they do is right. And that's what they respond to. And so, a lot of times you'll see people cowtail again, not talking about anyone in particular. I deal with a lot of kids. So you'll see that you can identify it. Like you can't say shit. Every time you say something to him, he got an attitude or she's got an attitude and their parents have an attitude. So clearly their parents never tell them that, Hey dog, you can't be doing that. Like, and so when you try to tell them they can't be doing that, both the person you're telling and the parent are like, yo, we're taking our shit and we're leaving. But so the, the reason you don't respond to it, Logan, is because you probably have people in your life that told you, hey, Logan, 
we ain't with that. That's not appropriate. You can't do that. And you learned what was right and wrong. And now you respond to a healthy balance of people both constructively criticizing and praising. But we're in a world now where they don't get that. Not all the time. This is this is the young this is the young dude on the on the on the, on the chat line right here. Yeah. I don't think it's just I don't think it's specific to our generation. I really don't. I, I look at stories and I and True. I've I've read my Googles and I've I've done my history lessons. Hey, Logan, sorry. I deal with these kids on large scale, bro. Like hundreds of them in gyms. I'm telling you, it is more prevalent now. I will challenge anybody who wants to tell me otherwise, because unless you out there dealing with them every day and talking to people who then deal with them every day, like it is a more prevalent thing now. It has always existed 1,000. Everyone sure. knew a little spoiled shit growing up. Multiples, yeah. but it's on a grander <laughs> scale. Well, I think it, it, it speaks to our, no, but like I'm, 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 all, I'm saying it's indicative of the system. And I think the system has gotten bigger, if that makes sense. Right. Fair. Like, like when, I mean, when you, when you were a kid, there was the camps were just starting, right? Like these kids now are getting famous at like 12, 13 years old. Right. Early they have one hot cases. summer. Yeah. They got one hot summer. And they and they pop and they're just popping and they're getting their Instagram, uh, they're getting their Instagram followers up and they're just famous at an earlier age. Right. My thing is though, the system, like this system has been in place for decades, right? Where there's always been a person, and I, I deal with it sometimes even in the media, right? Like there's always been this one hot shot person that comes up that's probably just been enabled by the system because they someone may maybe one person of importance saw something great in them and just just gave them hella looks right and they just mm -hmm. became a name off of that right that that's always happened that's always been the thing the key to it though is like and this is something that i like want to like I guess stressed job, whoever is listening to this pod that maybe want to get some game or anything. The key though is to make sure that it's it's the difference between a nine-year NBA career and a 16, 17, 18 year NBA career, where it's not all the highs and lows and stuff. It's just steady, bro. You just want to be steady and you just want to make sure that you're keeping your head on on, on one of those things. And I I just feel like at this point. I'm just I, my fear for Ja right now is that he's just working on a nine year like NBA great like just up and down. He had a great time NBA career when it could be so much more than that because he's just not moving right right now. And as a consequence, because he's so great and he's all these things that the Memphis Grizzlies aren't moving right, because guess what? They follow Ja's lead. They follow what he does wherever he is that. He is for the city, for the team, for the organization. He is that magnetic, and that speaks to his his specialness and his greatness. But like, I think he needs to be more aware of that, bro. Like, of course he does. He's not you're, steady right now. No, he's not you're, moving you're, right. You're highly volatile, dog. Like you're 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 you know, for whatever reason, it's just you know, it's a fact right now. There's too much going on, and you are the face of a city, man. A city that loves you, bro. It's like it's a perfect marriage. And look, here's the deal. I, I don't even, if you said to me, hey, bro, you don't know me. You don't know where I came from. You don't know how we get down. And I'm staying true to all of that. I would tell you, point taken, you're right. I don't know you. And I don't begrudge you staying exactly who you are and true to everything you've ever done. But you can't have both. 
You can't want to be the face of the franchise, the face of Nike and, and the longevity and all of that and still be doing that because the chances that you get caught up in some dumb shit are high. And when that happens, people have to, they have to divest. They got to keep moving, bro. Like they, how many people you seen get, get, get told by a company recently, Hey, now nah, we're good. Yep. Like at people, you'd be like, they never. And they're like, yeah, hey, sorry, you're too hot, bro. We can't, we got to block. It's too hot right yeah. now. We got to go. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I, I just, again, what, what the rant that I went on is, is, is big picture. It wasn't, it wasn't at Ja or anybody else in the NBA. It's just what I deal with on the regular. And I, as it pertains to the organization and the original genesis of, of, of how it started was you, you have to do right by Ja. And I'm not blame, I'm not laying the blame at, at Memphis. I'm not trying to deflect from Ja, but you know he was a you knew he was a young man when you got him in there. You know, like and you and you should know if you've run organizations in the past and you've been around them that things come at young people really quickly, especially when they've got fame and fortune. Like there's a lot of things pulling at them. And if you've identified him as the face of your franchise moving forward, it is partly your responsibility to help him navigate that. And help put parameters and and checks in place where you can, you know, you might not be in his daily life with someone, you know, helping him move in a certain way, but you certainly can kind of structure things in a way that helps him get from point A, which is a young burgeoning star to point B, which is the face of the league, possibly, you know, you've got to help cultivate that. And so, you know, Ja and camp has to be, has to be accepting of it. Um, here's the other thing I would say, Logan, and, and for those who don't know, um, when you get when you get into the NBA and you've reached a level, I, I've never reached Jaws level, but I reached a certain level of accomplishment in the NBA. The amount of people that want to be your friends and want to help you and want to do things for you is immeasurable. Like you can reach out to just about anybody you want, good, bad, or indifferent. Like real talk. Like, you know, and so the NBA also does a great job of when they bring you in, they do the seminar early. Like there's a lot of great information. A lot of dudes don't choose to partake in, in digesting that information, right? They will help you go back to school and, and facilitate getting you, you a degree, which I partook in. Like they will help, um, check your finances and, and triple and double check, double and triple check the people that are doing your finances to help you navigate like all the scams that are out there. The MBA provides a lot of, they will do, um, internships, and understudies with uber successful, you know, businessmen and women and entrepreneurs, like they have a lot of things in place that if you want to partake, you can help broaden your horizons as, as, as a player, whether you partake or not is up to you. But while your star is high and all these people want a piece of you and want to be around you, there are opportunities for you to network and align yourself with business people who have already gotten to a level that most guys want to get to post-career. And putting yourself around people like that, that will also help you understand, hey, 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 they don't move. They don't, none of them move like this. Like none of them do this. All of these people are, are CEOs and owners. And so it, it, will, it will help you see things in a way that if it's not around you in your, in your locker room, at least it's around you. And so like, you need to take those opportunities, man. And, 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 you know, pick brains of, of people who, who have these brands that are forever. And so the other side of that though, like, right. And this kind of speaks, and I'm kind of talking about judges for stuff that I've kind of just seen from 
2,500 miles away. Um, but when you get to this point, right, like, and you dealt with this, you've seen this before, when you get to a point where, you know, you, you get into this new world, you know, you don't really, it's hard, it's, it's hard to trust too. Like you could see all those, those, um, you know, you could see all those programs and all those internships and stuff right there, but who would you trust more? You trust somebody from back at the crib. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong, right? Like I'm not saying this is the thing, but like you go to that level and you don't like, this is just, especially if your job, all this shit is coming at you, bro. All this. And you want some comfort in your life. And you want something, you want to see something that feels and looks familiar. But no, because I've, I've, I mean, look, I've lived this on a smaller scale, on a smaller scale. I'm not, I'm not, of course you keep your people, man. Like, you know, when we, when I eat, we all eat like we, you know, of course you, you keep your people and you want familiarity and, and, you know, I'm not telling you to change out your friend base and your family base. Like that's not it, but you know, very few of those people that you're talking about, if they're there hanging out and, and, and chilling with you, um, you know, more than likely you are the breadwinner in that situation. And so just by that relationship alone means that you are, your star is brighter and, and you're a bigger brand. And so what I'm saying is while all of those people are around and, and we're, we're doing what we normally do, someone has to help you with knowledge and understanding of what it takes to get to that next level of branding and, and professional um, um, imagery and stuff like that. Like someone has to help you get there. And so if there are resources at your fingertips, then the NBA is not going to put you with anybody that would, that would like knowingly hurt you. Do you know how many, like how much of a vetting process someone would have to go through for the NBA to bring them in as a potential, like, um, partner slash internship, like mentor for, for one of these dudes like you, I mean, they're digging into your background with FBI people, all kind of shit. Like oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, are things sure. that, there are things at your disposal. And so I'm not suggesting, and I do understand wholeheartedly the, 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 the want for normalcy and for people that, that love you and that you can trust and all of that. I'm also saying that you're, you're, you're building a brand and you are in a partnership with an organization and a city that requires you to, to in all, in all quarterback cases, like in football and star NBA players, all of you are in these partnerships with billion dollar companies. And so your people aren't always equipped in some cases they are, but they're not always equipped to help you manage that. And so if they aren't, you need to find that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess last question on this one is where does Memphis go from here? And I've asked that question of like, I mean, this is definitely salvageable, you know, like you sure. got to get on the shit, you know, it is. What is, what is, what is Memphis? What do the Grizzlies need to do at this point? I mean, it's clear that, you know, Ja, you know, he need he need he needs a, a real big homie around him or he needs something, you know, he just needs, he needs, you know, he needs help navigating through this shit. Yes. What is, what is, what do the Grizzlies need to do at this point? You've heard the term, bro. Winning cures everything. It cures everything, brother. It, you go out there and you win and you, you win at the level we're talking about, which is a chip or a finals appearance. And all of this shit quiets down to a certain degree. Um, now that, that is surface, um, treating, you know, like the symptoms, not necessarily like the root of it. They got to grow up like big picture. They got to grow up. And whether that be, 
you know, through programs put in place by the organization to help this young core, if that's what you're going to ride with, like grow up, like team building, like, you know, you see people do stuff with the Navy SEALs and stuff like that, where, you know, that's not just team building stuff, but that's giving you some insight into like, you know, what we do is trivial. Like what these dudes do is real and perspective is important sometimes, you know, and, or whether it's the team putting things in place like that for them to kind of mature together, or if it's via acquisition or trade or what have you, where you're bringing more vets, solid people like shit, you should have two motherfuckers on that roster. Excuse me. Cause I'm like, you should have two people on that roster that ain't got shit to do. They got families with four kids apiece. They've been around. Udonis Haslam needs to be in the Memphis Grizzlies organization next year. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he ain't gonna play no basketball, but he's going, he's going to show everybody what it's like to be a 16 to 20 year pro in the NBA. They need some of that. I think we can just leave it on that. No, honestly, it's Thursday, Raja. Yeah. You know what that means? You tell me, bro. It's time for real one of the no. week. <laughs> <laughs> First one post all-star break. Um, mine ain't that deep, so I'm going to go first. Um, I'm going to give it to my dog, Big James, from the state room in Salt Lake City. Oh, okay. He was, uh, he was, he was a security guard back in the back while we were, he was holding down in the backstage during the live show. I, I wound up, I just said, what's up? Like right after our little, like our, our opening hit, like I had like a little opening intro joint. And then I came backstage and I saw this, this dude who just seemed like, no, just seemed like, I don't know, just very familiar face. Right. I never met him, but like we just, and then he's been in Salt Lake for like decades and has been working at the state room for a minute. So he was giving me hella just fucking old school rock star stories and shit. Like it was great. And so I uh I told him I told him about the pod because you know I'm always marketing, bro. You know the vibes. Any you every day. I do I do a podcast twice a week <laughs> with my dog Roger Bell, <laughs> who's a jazz man. Have you heard of him? All right, cool, bet. We locked in. <laughs> so I gave my man, he was like, yo, write down the podcast. I wrote down the name of the podcast on a napkin for my dog, right? Mm. And um he said he was gonna listen. I told him I shout him out. So shout out to Big James. Salt Lake. If you're ever in the state room, he said he's gonna hold it down. So shout out to him. Shout out to Salt Lake City. James, welcome friend to the, the pod, friend of the show. Boy. Hey, friend of the show, Big James. Welcome to the pod, man. Um, let's see, my real one of the week. This is a this is a I think this is a retread because I think I gave him real one of the week. This is my young nephew, um, Jordan Durkak. I've talked about him before. He's up there with Merrimack basketball. He was a rookie this year, but this week he was named uh Northeast Conference all rookie team. Um, as people who've played a sport know that first year, uh, whether you're a, a, a rookie in a professional league or you were a freshman in college, there's a lot of stuff going on. It can be hard to navigate. Um, it can be inconsistent, but he weathered a whole lot of stuff, man. He was in the lineup. He was out of the lineup, but he was always productive. I watched him play a couple of times. He always had a great attitude and spirit, a leader, regardless of how many points he scored. And he was rewarded him and a teammate uh, this week with, with um, all rookie team, first team. So jo- uh, Jordan Durkat, all rookie first team, Northeast Conference, Merrimack basketball, real one. There you go. There you go. We see you. Shout out to mm-hmm. all the real ones out there. Um, man, we back online, dog. Mondays and Thursdays. We Stretch run. We got, we got, we got, we got shit in store for y'all. Y'all just stay tuned. Um, but I got to get back to writing and editing, Raja. So um, we will I'm see about to you go guys watch on Snowfall, Monday. my boy. 
Yo, real quick, real quick, real quick, huh. real quick. Did you watch the last episode from last night yet? Have you gotten to no, st- I'm fucking I'm episode three? No, I'm watch it now. That's what I'm saying. Don't put me in the group chat because I'm about to go watch this right now. All right, I watched it last night. It was sick. We're gonna oh. we will table that on Monday for the Monday Back. discussion. Uh, Snowfall talk is back. We'll see you guys on Monday. Talk real soon. Holla. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.